0: So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as stars in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labour in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Brilliant.
1: It's great to be with you, and I'm really looking forward to uh, coming up in a couple of weeks uh, for this concentrated time of reaching out. And uh, as we think about this concentrated time of reaching out, I wonder what should be our primary motivation. Uh, Why do we want to lift up the name of Jesus? And, And I guess verses 10 and 11 give us a very good reason for reaching out, don't you think? Verse 10, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is a day coming, can you picture it, where every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Can you imagine if it's sort of Michael Bay or somebody uh, was the director of this film, and the CGI uh, Budget would be huge, wouldn't it? Just, just to depict every person on planet Earth around the world and down through history just breath pressed out of them chests crumpling, limbs hanging loose knees buckling and they're flat on their faces and it just flies out of their mouths I say there, you'll be there, I'll be there and we won't be able to stop ourselves saying, Lord, as soon as we see Jesus, you know, we won't need name tags. No one will need to you know, nudge one another and say, so who's, who's this guy at the front? Who's, who's this guy in charge of Judgment Day? There'll be, there'll be no need for that. There'll be no need for angelic handlers to come before us and say to us, you know, uh, when the Son of God appears, it's uh, usual for men to bow and for women to curtsy. There'll be no royal handlers who'll tell us to bow. It will be an inevitability. We will bow, and the word Lord will fly from our lips. It will fly from your lips. It will fly from the lips of everyone in this building. It will fly from the lips of everyone... In Canary Wharf, it will fly from your family members, your neighbours, the Buddhist, the Jew, the secular person down the road. Everyone will say, Lord, Lord, he is risen from the dead and he is Lord. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This day is coming, right? And the world is unprepared. Don't you think the world is unprepared for this day? We're well, totally unprepared for this day. We're just scrolling through our Facebooks feed, watching videos of cats and sneezing pandas. Do you, do you think the world is prepared for this day? <coughs> this day is coming, and the world is unprepared. Your colleagues are unprepared. That's a very good reason to do this outreach, don't you think? That would be a reason by itself that would lead to a week like we're going to do. But here's the thing. If that's the only reason why we reach out we might get things a little bit skewed. We might imagine that there's this day coming and so now Christians need to get really, really busy and we need to run out into the workplace and get very, very busy grabbing people by the hand and, and, and yanking them in and we... Imagine that we as Christians get busy in outreach while God on his throne has his arms folded waiting for us to do the outreach. And if we get that idea, I think we've seriously misunderstood mission and we've seriously misunderstood God. Because there's one thing that this passage tells us, it's that God is the great outgoing. And if we ever manage to be outgoing, It's only because we are a pale imitation of the original and ultimate missionary, who is God. It's God's outgoingness that sweeps us up into mission, which actually makes this week a lot of fun. It actually makes the week that we're going to do a, a total privilege, because we are just catching up with the outgoing nature of our God. Did you notice the outgoing nature of our God here Paul has this psychological insight into the mind of God the Son. What an extraordinary thing, verse 5. He says, you have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, he now knows what God the Son is thinking from before the foundation of the world. What an extraordinary insight. Though he was in the form of God, he did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Can you sort of notice the steps down, down, down from God the Son on high, enjoying the glory of His Father in the joy of the Holy Spirit. That has been His experience from before the beginning of the world. And yet every step He takes, He takes down, down, down. Stooping, serving, suffering, bleeding, dying. And all of this, says Paul, is not a departure from the divine glory. Here's the big point to take away from this much time. As Jesus is so utterly outgoing, as he gives of himself with every drop of his blood, it is not a departure from the divine glory, it is an expression of the divine glory. What kind of God do we serve? A God who is expressed in utter self-giving. You see, these verses are not telling us. Jesus, in spite of being God, decides to do a bit of service. Isn't that nice? So often that's the way we read these sorts of verses, isn't it? We, we think to ourselves, oh, Jesus takes a holiday from his divine glory, and he does gets he his hands dirty for 33 years. Oh, bless him. You know, that's, that's more than most people do. It's more than you would do if you were in the divine glory. If you were in heaven surrounded by the worship of the angels, it's, this is more than you would do. But Paul is not just saying he takes a 33-year departure from the divine glory. He is expressing the divine glory by suffering, bleeding, and dying for his enemies. So what is the divine glory? Well, you, you, you have not seen any better expression of the divine glory than when there was a human sacrifice with his arms outstretched to the world, praying Father forgive you. I'm an evangelist, I go around the place talking to people about who is God, and, and quite often I kind of get the question of who is God I'm out of the way, early on. I just sort of say, look, I don't know what you think of God, whether you think he's there, what definition of deity you might have, but when I'm thinking about God, I'm thinking about a human sacrifice with his arms wide open to the world, praying, Father, forgive. I don't know what your picture of God is, but according to the Bible, that is our image of God. That's what the Son of God means, right? The fact that Jesus is the Son of God. He's a chip off the old block. He is exactly like his Father. He is the, in, the, the image of the invisible God, as Colossians chapter 1 says. And that paragraph in Colossians 1 that says he is the image of the invisible God, that paragraph ends with, and he makes peace through the blood of his Christ. <coughs> what is your ultimate picture of God? Your ultimate picture of God is with his arms wide open to the world. Bleeding for his enemies, loving us to death. And when we get that picture of God, then we can start to be outgoing, actually. Do you know back in uh, Isaiah's day, it's also quoted in Romans chapter 10, the Lord says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient people. What is your picture of God? All day long, says the Lord in Isaiah and in Romans. All day long I've held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. It's this picture of God getting up early in the morning, going out to the marketplace, stretching out his arms until long into the evening. And then he goes home dejected. So he has to come back the next day, and the next day, and the next day. This is God, right? I mean, how long can you hold out your arms to a disobedient people? How long, how long can you hold out even one arm, one hand, to a person who doesn't want to know it? You know, footballers, it's, it's like back page news, isn't it, when two footballers won't shake hands. When one billion pounds, you know, football star snubs another billion pound football star by not offering his one hand of fellowship for one and a half seconds. That is back page news. How dare they impugn the, you know, the glory of such a footballer? We can't stand it when we hold out one hand for a few seconds. All day long I held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. No wonder God the Son chose crucifixion as the way of revealing his divine glory. No wonder, right? All throughout John's Gospel, Jesus is constantly saying, I'm going to be lifted up. Just wait. My hour is coming when I'm going to be lifted up. I'm going to be glorified. I'm going to be glorified. I'm going to be lifted up. And everyone's thinking, how is he going to be lifted up? On a throne? On a platform? What's it going to look like? And we get to the end of John's Gospel, and how is he lifted up? Lifted up on a cross. That's how he is glorified. This is what it looks like to be God, with his arms wide stretched to the world. Revelation chapter 5 and Revelation chapter 7 says that the Lamb is at the center of the throne. Think about that for a second. The throne in the book of Revelation is, is the place of God's power and control and authority. And John in Revelation is saying, if you push through to the deepest depths of deity, do you know what you find? You find a bleeding Lamb. You find sacrificial love. There is no deeper truth to God than the cross. It's not like the cross is the window dressing to God. Oh, isn't that lovely? He did that thing called the cross. Isn't that that wonderful? But then you press behind the window dressing and then you've got God with his arms folded. It's it's not like that at all. Push through to the deepest depths of deity and you always find the outstretched God. The God of the cross. (coughs) The cross. Therefore, verse 9, therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. It's it's this idea of the Father looking around the world, saying, what is it that will demonstrate my divine identity to the world? What is it? And then he sees Christ on the cross, he says, that, that is what it looks like to God. He raises up this human sacrifice and says, yes, this is the divine glory. And so Jesus is the one still with his scars, his battle scars, war wounds, depicting his own glory. He is the judge of all the world. And into eternity we will praise our outgoing God. That is the primary reason why we should do mission. Not simply because God is on the throne and we need to get busy. But because God has his arms outstretched to your work colleagues. He really does. He has bleeding sacrificial love for your work colleagues. He really does. He is a God more beautiful, more charismatic, more glorious than anything that your friends could ever imagine. We have the arms wide open God. And we need them to see this is what it looks like to go, to be God. But we need ourselves to see that this, this is what it looks like to be. God, because then when we see the outgoing God, we start to become an outgoing people. You might have noticed in that second paragraph from verse 12 that Paul starts talking about us. He's been talking about the divine glory and now he starts talking about us. And there are four ways in which we start to be outgoing in these verses. In verse 12, Paul talks about working out your salvation. Paul doesn't talk about working for your salvation. That would undo everything he ever says in all his other letters. We don't work for our salvation. No, verse 13, God has worked in our salvation. The Spirit has given us Christ. And now we've got the ultimate outgoing God within us. So now work him out. Work him out in every area of your life. Work out what it means to have the ultimate missionary within you. Work it out. And then we are to shine it out verse 15 shine out as lights in the world end of verse 15 it doesn't use the word out but you, by the nature of the case you can't shine without shining out it's interesting here that the context for shining is verse 14 there's, there's, there's the blackness the black backdrop of our shining is grumbling and disputing isn't it is there grumbling and disputing in your office yeah. <laughs> of course there is there's grumbling and disputing in my office. I, I work with Christians. and We're, we're bad enough, right? <laughs> grumbling and disputing. And then you go online. What is what is social media? Social media, you make a post about what you're grumbling about. And then everybody disputes about it. Isn't that that's, that's, that's social media? You know? Grumbling and disputing. Isn't, isn't that the very atmosphere of our lives? What would it look like to stand against that? To have received something of the glory and joy of the living God. And to be that shining light in your office. What would it be like to stand against grumbling and disputed when your boss leaves the room and everyone grumbles and for you to stand against that what would that feel like? You'd feel like you stood out like a sore thumb, wouldn't you? And Paul says, no, no, no you shine out like a star in the universe just It's very ordinary, isn't it? as you model Christian contentment, as you know that you've received everything from the Father in receiving Christ, now you shine in your workplace, standing against grumbling, standing against disputing, and you shine out. And then verse 16, you hold out the word of life. Uh, Some translations say hold fast, some translations say hold out, but it's it's this word of life that you have, and through this word, God is shining out into your workplace. And, As you manage to drop the name of Jesus into conversations, I know that it feels like you've just dropped a boulder onto the middle of the the table. Doesn't it feel like that? You you drop the name of Jesus. There's a radioactive power, right? It feels like this asteroid has just landed in the middle of a conversation. And I guess Paul is saying, no, that that word has life to it. It's, It's less of a boulder. It's more a seed, right? A seed, as we mention the name of Jesus, as we... Scatter our invitations around the office, trying to get people along to questions of life. It it feels like you're just throwing rocks, you're not. There is life to our words of invitation. There is life to the seed, it's a word of life. And then verse 17, even if I'm to be poured out, we've had work out, shine out, hold out, and then verse 17, we pour out our lives. The God who has poured himself out for us in total. The God who has expended himself with every drop of his blood. We have him. And therefore for us, you know, life life is not about trying to fill up our little glasses. Full of experiences. Full of money. Full of promotions. Full of accomplishments. Isn't that how we tend to think about life? We just fill up a little bit. Fill up a little bit need to climb the ladder, climb the ladder, fill up, fill up, fill up. And then we're, when we're full to the brim, how free are we? We're not free at all, are we? Because if, if I've got to fill my little cup up, I don't want to get close to you. You might bump me. I might spill some. And Paul says, I, I, I know the secret of contentment. You know what it is? It is to receive from the Lord and it's pouring it out to us. Your life in sacrificial service starts to picture the very life of God." The God who came and stooped and served and suffered and bled and died for you and me. So those are the four outs. As we look to our outgoing God, we start to work out our salvation. We start to shine out in the office. We start to hold out the word of life. We pour ourselves out. And as we do so, we are pointing to a God who has his arms outstretched to our friends and colleagues. This is our great motivation for mission. Our outgoing God who invites us to be an outgoing people. Shall I pray for us? Our dear Father, we thank you so much for who you are when we see you in the face of your Son, Jesus. You are the outgoing God. May we look to you and know again your arms wide open to us. And would you make us into outgoing people? That our friends and colleagues would see who you are in the face of Christ. And be embraced by you, our loving Heavenly Father. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.